Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Palm Vista. If you're a guest with us this morning, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Palm Vista, and it is my delight and joy as well just to welcome you uh, to join us this morning as we continue our sermon series entitled Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. This is our Advent series. We're celebrating the Advent or the arrival of Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We're focusing our eyes on him this Christmas season. And this morning we're going to be studying the passage you just heard Al read, Luke 2, 8 through 14. We're going to learn and observe how the angels respond to the arrival of this Jesus as they declare that Christ the Lord has come to bring joy and peace. You pray with me? Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. Lord, we come sitting under your word, Lord, and we ask that you would do a mighty work. Lord God, we all come here with different burdens on our hearts, different questions, different areas of weakness. Lord, some of us coming this morning with great joy in our hearts. Lord, what a delight to see these young children singing your name this morning. Lord, we come asking that you would give us eyes to see what is true, Lord, behind uh, what we observe with our eyes, Lord God. Would you help us to see your joy and your peace this morning? Would you help us to, to understand the truth of your coming, the beauty of God dwelling with his people? Give me words, Lord, to speak clearly, Lord God. I pray that your scriptures uh, would do their work in hearts and in minds this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, I recently spoke with Annika. Do you guys know Annika? For those who uh, know Annika, she is, uh, grew up here at the church. She's the daughter of one of our other pastors, Corey, and she's living in Alaska now. Annika is something of a mountain woman. Um, she does a lot of hiking, and recently she, um, she undertook, as a part of a, a senior project, uh, a three-week, a little over three-week hike uh, on the Pacific Crest Trail. This is backcountry camping, so you've got to carry everything on you, in, on your back, your, your tent, your sleeping bag, uh, your Doritos and nachos and whatever else you eat on the trail, uh, your water. Uh, you take it all with you as you hike up and down these mountains. And the Pacific Crest Trail is not an easy place to hike. It's difficult hiking. It's, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, places where you're all alone. And, and she was sharing with me this story. She said I could share it with you. Is, is uh, Really what happened to her was like every hiker's worst nightmare when they're out hiking. Um, Annika was out alone here on the trail, and, and uh, she had been at this point several days of this section of hiking where she was all alone. She didn't have any companions with her. This section, she was hiking all by herself, and uh, she ran out of water, which happens on the trail, and she had found a water source. And it was the last one for quite some time. So she went down to this little pond there in the, um, in the mountains and, uh, and sat down, took out her tent, let it dry off because it was kind of wet from the, from the night before. And, um, and as that tent was drying, and as she was getting her water, she looked up, and she saw something on the other side of this pond. Uh, she saw a mountain lion. <laughs> yeah, not the best sight to see in this scenic place of, uh, alone in the mountain. Um, so Annika, being a brilliant mountain woman that she is, took out her phone and looked up how to avoid, I don't know, dying from a mountain lion, something like that. Uh, thankfully, she had a little service. Google served her well. She got a bunch of rocks, started screaming at the mountain lion, throwing rocks, uh, it looked up at her, was unbothered by her. Uh, and, and by the way, mountain lions, like, you understand, humans are like on their like menu for mountain lions. So it, not exactly what you want to come across in the, in the mountains. So she was terrified. 
Um, she starts screaming and yelling. The mountain lion doesn't really care. He wanders off into the bushes, which is not where you want to have a mountain lion hiding while you're camping. So Annika, um, smartly, quickly gathers up all her things and starts making haste upon the trail quickly to try to find someplace safe uh, where she can avoid this mountain lion. She was in grave danger, <laughs> and, uh, and she was terrified. Uh, in, in this morning's text, we have a group of shepherds who are out in the fields watching for, well, mountain lions <laughs> and other things, and they also are met with an unexpected visitor that introduces to them great terror. Look at the, our verse here in verse 8 of our text. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with what? With great fear. Like Annika-level fear. Like, I am going to die. This is the end. Let's get out of here. Um, these shepherds, they were out working the night shift. Um, they probably took turns. The shepherds would sleep out in the fields with their sheep at several months at a time. And, and they were watching for bears, lions, uh, anything that might uh, hurt their sheep. And so these, these shepherds, their senses were turned up to max. They were turned up to 11, tuned in for any rustling in the leaves, any movement that might give away um, sheep in distress. And as they're out there uh, looking carefully, watching, listening, all of a sudden someone switches on the floodlights <laughs> Uh, the brilliance of the glory of God shines around them, and there, right in front of them, right in the dirt, standing next to them, is an angel of the Lord, an angel of God, a messenger uh, of God, standing, a soldier, right in front of them. The shepherds, they were shocked by this display of power, this display of light and glory and beauty. In the text, it says, literally, they were afraid with a great fear, terrified. This is a, a typical human response, by the way, to the presence of the glory of God. When an angel appears, uh, usually the first thing the angel has to say, and it's true in this text as well, is, don't be afraid. It's all right. I'm not here to destroy you. Uh, you're not in trouble. Relax. Uh, I'm not a mountain lion. I'm not going to eat you. It's okay. And, uh, and so this, this angel does as well. And, and the message that he brings to these shepherds uh, is a message of great joy. It's a message that turns their fear into rejoicing. Look what he says in verse 10. The angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, pay attention. I bring you good news of great joy. Great joy that will be for all the people. Why? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord, friends. A Savior has come. This is a powerful reason to rejoice for the shepherds. Uh, their heartbeat begins to slow down just a little bit. Why? Because just that night, in the same region, that same evening, in the same city, a Savior has been born to them. Fortunately for Annika, she, her story didn't end there by that pond with that mountain lion. Uh, she started running down the trail with her backpack, uh, and obviously quite uh, terrified. Uh, I think she saw some deer and started throwing rocks at them too and like trees and everything else that was around her. And uh, as she was going down the trail, out of nowhere suddenly appeared a couple of hunters on an ATV. Um, and she was obviously in great uh, joy. She was relieved. 
They offered her to take them with her, and she jumped on the ATV and rode down the trail with them and found a place surrounded by trailers where she could rest safely for the night. Um, She did make it back to the end of the trail. She's safe, everybody. It's all right. I did speak to her. She's alive. Has not been eaten so far. Uh, But she was filled with joy, the relief and the safety that comes from the presence of a powerful Savior. Our shepherds, they, they experienced such a relief at the words of these angels that a powerful Savior had come to rescue them. This angel had not come to bring judgment. This angel had not come uh, to, to bring the wrath of God, but he had come to announce the, the coming of a Savior King. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. This Savior has come. And the angel, he, he gives two very important titles uh, to these shepherds of this Savior who has come. And these two titles and one sign are going to help them understand the nature of the Savior. I want you to see what they are. The first one is this, is that he is the Christ. Unto you was born a Savior who is Christ, who is Christ. You see, the sheep that these shepherds were watching over that night, they weren't just any sheep. Because of their proximity to the city of Jerusalem and the region where it says that they were, there's a very good chance that these sheep were actually destined for the temple. They were sheep that were reserved by Jewish law for sacrifice in the temple of God to cover the sins of God's people, to be a part of the sacrificial system in the temple. These lambs that the shepherds were watching were to be sacrificed on behalf of God's people to cover their sins. But the problem is, uh, these sacrifices were never enough. Every month, every week, every year, more sheep had to be born, more sheep had to be brought, and more sheep had to be slaughtered for the sins of God's people. But there was a prophecy, there was a, an expectation that one day would come this Christ, this anointed one, this Savior King, who is going to be born in the same city as the shepherd King David, the city of Bethlehem, the city where Jesus had just been born. And this Christ, this anointed one, would fulfill that sacrificial system in the temple, and this long-awaited Savior would reconcile God's people to himself. They would reconcile him and and do away with the need for this system of sacrifices in the temple because he would once and for all be a sacrifice for all of God's people. And this angel is declaring that this Jesus, this anointed one has arrived, the one who's going to bring harmony and peace between heaven and earth, the anointed one who is predicted by the prophets. Oh, what a reason to rejoice for them. What a reason to rejoice for us this morning. A Savior has come for you. And he gives a second title for this Jesus. It says he is Christ, but not just Christ. He is Christ the Lord. The Lord is, is the translation, the transliteration of the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. It's the personal name of God, the personal name given by God to his people that they might know him personally. He is the God who, who created and commands all the armies of heaven, the one who, who made the heavens and the earth. And this God is himself come to save God's people from their sin. God himself in this name is, is doing something powerful and unexpected to save a people for himself. And so the angel says, this is Christ and he is the Lord. And then he gives him a sign, a sign that doesn't exactly make sense with this title, Lord. Look at verse 12. It says, and this will be a sign to you. What's the sign? You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. That's a, that's a strange 
sign for a coming king, for God himself to come among his people. They had expected a king to come in power. God himself, the creator, coming in power and might to to conquer the nations. But instead, God subverts their expectations, our expectations, and presents himself as a baby, as a child. He presents the path to greatness, peace, and joy as a path that passes through obscurity. God has come, but he's come as a lowly child, sleeping in a feeding trough. This is where they pour the slop for pigs, and Jesus is sleeping there, wrapped up in linens, it says. Jesus is also, just like the shepherds, he's sleeping outdoors this evening. Little Jesus, God himself, bound in clothes, laying in a sleeping trough. Highest of God and humble child. And this God, he has come to dwell in this humble little child, but he's come, look who he's come to. He's come to humble shepherds as well. Shepherds, they, they didn't live a particularly uh, good life. They had a tough life. They, they spent a lot of their time outdoors. Uh, shepherds were not trusted by much of society. They'd spend many months away from from civilization, and so they, uh, they were often characterized or, or thought of by, uh, by society as being thieves and liars. In many places, actually, shepherds weren't even allowed to act as witnesses in legal trials because they were considered to be untrustworthy, and yet these are the ones that God sends his very first message of his Savior to, to those that the rest of society dismisses and pushes aside and says, no, not them. God says, no, you're going to be the first ones to hear about the arrival of my king. God often does his greatest and mightiest works through the lowliest of means, through the least expected ways. God loves to show his strength and weakness. He loves to advance his kingdom through the meek and the powerless, to display his glory through humility and poverty. Oh, friend, do you feel small and powerless this morning? When you look at your life, do you, you feel weak? If so, God wants to use you this morning. Uh, this is the kind of people that God comes for, the small, the weak, the powerless, the forgotten, the dismissed. Jesus has come to bring a message of salvation that leads to joy. <laughs> to those who are unthanked and overwhelmed, to those who feel that they don't, belong. Lord Jesus, Christ the Lord has come to you and offers joy to you this morning. Christ the Lord has come to bring joy to his people. He's come to bring joy. He's also come this morning to bring peace. To bring peace. In verse 13, our one angelic messenger who's standing alone there, enough to terrify the shepherds, he's now joined uh, by a whole army of angelic beings. Look at verse 13. It says, And then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Oh, what a picture, church. What a picture. Now, standing before these shepherds is not just one of God's mighty heavenly messengers, but a whole heavenly host. This is an old-fashioned way of saying a whole heavenly army. Can you imagine this standing before them? If you imagine even like this whole room just spread out before you with 
with, with soldier after soldier in line and formation singing praises to God. Oh, Jesus' birth, it comes with a divine military escort as they come to declare the birth of their king, this Savior, this Christ Jesus, born this day in a little cradle, is heralded in by this army of soldiers declaring the praises of God. Strong, powerful voices chanting praises to their king, echoing off the walls of these hills, echoing down the ravines. Praise to God, glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a strange message for a conquering army to declare. Have you thought about that? It's a familiar verse to us. It's a familiar story to us. But what what conquering army sets boots on the ground in enemy territory and immediately begins to sing a song of peace? (laughs) Jesus' army does. (laughs) Jesus' army does. Jesus' army comes singing a song of peace as he comes to conquer through weakness. A song of peace. When I think of peace, um, I don't know what you think of when you think peace. For me, it's, it's a cruise in the Caribbean, um, the cold drink, sitting there on the deck, uh, my kids playing somewhere. You can hear the sounds of like steel drum music in the background. My children can't go anywhere. They can't get off the ship, so they're fine somewhere off there. My wife's sitting next to me enjoying the sunshine in, like, December when it's 85 degrees outside like this. Free from worry, free from concern, comfortable, relaxed. Peace. But the peace that we see in this text, the peace that Jesus brought with his arrival, and the peace that Jesus demonstrated with his life is a little bit different than that kind of peace. See, the peace that the angels are singing about here is not first and foremost the result of earthly comfort and steel drums, but is the result of the presence and the pleasure of the Almighty God. See, the word peace, it's a deeply relational word in Scripture. The word peace communicates um, security, intimacy, wholeness in relationship. It's not just about being relaxed, but actually about having intimacy and wholeness. Jesus' birth is God's initiative to restore peace, to restore security, intimacy, intimacy, and wholeness in the relationship between God and his people. God is doing a work of peace, but it's a weak work of reconciliation between God and man with the coming of Jesus. The shepherds don't know this yet, but the way Jesus is going to bring about this peace, the way Jesus is going to secure intimacy between you and God is actually through death, through his own death. The same language that was used in this birth narrative, in this text today that describes this Jesus wrapped in clothes, laying in a manger, the same exact words are going to be used later in this text, later in this book, about 30 years later in Jesus' life. To describe Jesus as they pull his lifeless body off a cross. It's going to describe this Jesus being wrapped now in clothes and laid not in the manger but in the tomb. Jesus came to live as a child, came to die on a cross and hung on that cross to bear the curse of sin for you and for me so that we might be reconciled to God. We might have peace, lasting peace, relational peace, 
that starts with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that's what Jesus did on the cross, he justified you. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I pray that you would know that peace this morning if you don't, that relational wholeness between God and man. Wonderfully, Jesus, thankfully, Jesus, he didn't stay in that feeding trough. And Jesus, he didn't stay in that tomb. Jesus, he rose up from the dead. He conquered death. And these angels are going to come back to sing about Jesus when he resurrects from the dead and ascends into heaven. He rose from the dead and conquered death that those whom he loves might have life with him, eternal life, beginning now and continuing on forever, that his spirit might dwell with them always. Christ the Lord has come to bring what? Peace. Peace. This plan of Jesus' death, it was always God's plan. The people of Israel didn't quite understand it, but it was always his plan. Isaiah had predicted this some 750 years earlier. He wrote about it. And he said, you're probably familiar with this verse, for unto us what a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of peace. Jesus has come to bring peace to you this morning. See, Jesus' birth, it didn't change the immediate circumstances of the lives that those were around him. Uh, Jesus' parents, actually, soon after this narrative, they have to flee. They have to run to another country. They become uh, sojourners. They, They become refugees in a foreign land, running because of his birth. The shepherds that were just sung to by angels and will soon come and visit Jesus, will go right back to shepherding. Um, As far as I'm aware, they didn't get any book deals. Uh, There were no speaking tours for these shepherds, Uh, no no advances. And and we really, at this point, we don't even know their names. We don't even know how many there were. Shepherds drift off into obscurity. A self-help savior, Jesus, is not... (laughs) But a real earth-shattering change had taken place with his arrival. Why? Because God has come to dwell in peace with his people. And he's made a way for you and for me, for us to enjoy peace and intimacy with the living God. The reason that Jesus' birth was announced first to shepherds, one of the reasons is that God himself describes himself as a shepherd, one who dwells with his sheep, one who comes near to his sheep, who sits out in the darkness and watches over them, who sits with you and watches over you, keeping close to you at night. He's a Savior who is near and close to his people. So, are you guys familiar with the elf on a shelf? Okay. I'm sure it was a great idea for whoever came up with this, but to me, elf on a shelf is one of the creepiest things that I've ever heard of. Elf on a shelf is basically, uh, it's this little stuffed animal, stuffed elf, that parents, I guess, put out on their shelves uh, around Thanksgiving time, and it's watching over the family between Christmas, or Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, and the idea is this elf goes back to Santa every night and gives back a report of all the deeds that you've done that day, all the things you've said in secret in your rooms and the things that you've yelled at your children 
uh, that night before they go back to let Santa know so that he can update his naughty and nice list for you. And it's like, uh, it's like NSA meets hide and seek for children. And apparently these elves, they help Santa decide who's, who's naughty and nice, who's good enough to get presents that year, and who is not. Well, look, I, I, I'm sure it's fun. If you do Elf on a Shelf, you don't have to like, go burn your elf or anything like that. It's, it's all good. But um, to me, this, this idea of an elf on a shelf is often the way that we approach God, even as Christians at times. We, we imagine God as being near to us in the way that elf is near to the family. Sitting there on the shelf, watching, observing, making sure you're doing all the right things, checking in on the list and reporting back to Santa in the sky to make sure that you deserve the good things that he gives to you. This is not the way that God relates to us, though. We, we don't have, God is not some great Santa in the sky with a naughty and nice list that you have to work good enough, work hard enough to get onto the nice list each year. No, God has sent his Savior. God has sent Jesus himself. He has come himself to dwell with us so that God's pleasure in you no longer depends on the report that the elf sends back to him. God's pleasure in you depends on the perfect obedience of Jesus who has come near to make peace between you and God. Notice what he says, the Savior brings peace to who? Peace to those with whom he is pleased. This is not a command that they're giving, have peace if God is pleased with you. No, this is a statement of truth. God's peace is with those with whom he is pleased. There is peace. God has reconciled those with whom he is pleased. Pleased, why? Because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. So church, if we really believe this, if we really live this way, how would it change the way we think about ourselves, about others, about our circumstances? What would it change about your life if we really lived in a way and believed that when we'd blown it, when we'd done something to get on the naughty list, that that Jesus had borne that cost for us and God still delights in you? How would it change the way we think about ourselves, the way we respond to sin in our lives, besetting sin, perhaps sin that keeps coming back again and again? How would it change the way we approach that sin if we really believe that even in the midst of our sinning, God is pleased with us because of the blood of Jesus on the cross? Our response then is not simply to just beat ourselves up, try to do better, but no, to come to Jesus in mercy and say, Lord, forgive me, I know your love for me is infinite and unmatched. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Oh, would we turn to Jesus in kindness when we fail and fall? We change the way that we relate to our children, to our spouses, to our parents. Christ the Lord has come to bring us peace this morning. Oh, church, you believe that, that God has come. He's pleased with you because of Jesus. You might be reconciled to him. And I recognize this morning that your life may not be one that's described by peace. Perhaps as you look at Christmas coming up, uh, you know it's not quite going to be like a Publix commercial. You know those Publix commercials uh, around the holidays that they show like the family sitting all proper, dressed nice around the table, smiling, uh, sharing the food, and the children are happily, quietly awaiting their presence to be opened. Just like my children, quietly opening gifts. Nobody's talking about politics. Uh, nobody's screaming at each other about masks and COVID. Peace! <laughs> I don't expect my Christmas to be quite like that this year. Maybe, maybe you don't either. But the coming of Christ, the drawing near of God to man, 
Oh, church, it changes our perspective on all of this. It changes our perspective on the peace that we have in the moment. We have peace with God. We can have peace with those around us, even if the circumstances are in chaos. When we know that God is pleased with us, that he has made a way for us to be reconciled to him, to be right with him, then we can be right with others even when things around us are, are completely upside down. We can, stale, we can sail the stormy seas of disappointment and frustration and chaos and loneliness with hope and joy and peace because God has come near to us. Because God is pleased with me and satisfied with us because of the blood of Jesus. Do you have peace with God this morning, friend? Do you have peace with Jesus because of the blood that he bore for you? If not, I would appeal to you this morning. Jesus Jesus has offered his joy and peace to you today. He has offered to you today, right now, this day is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord, who brings peace to you, reconciliation between God and you. You might be reconciled to those around you, reconciled to yourself, reconciled to your circumstances. Because Jesus Christ has come to dwell with you. If you're a Christian this morning, if you are in Christ, his peace is with you and for you this morning. We can have peace this morning. Your soul might have peace this morning because God is pleased with you and he is drawn near. He's not pleased with you uh, because you are a perfect father, because you're a perfect mother. His pleasure is not on you because you've kept your temper at work or driving here this morning. He's not pleased because you got a perfect 4.0 in your semester this week, this year. No, he's pleased because he's brought a Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord, to make himself accessible on the cross. He's, he is pleased to share his joy with you, to share in your human frailty, to conquer sin and death, and to draw near to you and comfort you in darkness. Be at peace, church. Be at peace, my friends, for God is pleased with you in Christ. Has come near to dwell with his beloved. Jesus, the Savior King, has come, born as a little child in a feeding trough to bring us joy and peace today. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that our peace with you, our intimacy with you, does not depend upon our performance. It doesn't depend upon our hard work, upon our good deeds, Lord, your gifts that you give to us, the good gifts that you pour out to us, Lord God, are not rewards for our hard work, Lord, but are rewards for the perfect work of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that we can approach you this morning not in fear, oh, but in joy. Not in fear, but with peace. Lord, not with anxiety if if we're going to be accepted by you or if we're acceptable to others, Lord God, but with confidence because you have accepted us In Christ Jesus. Oh Lord, I pray you would give us hearts to sing to you this morning. Hearts of joy in the triumphant King. Lord, hearts to behold and adore you today. Lord, I pray for those this morning who have not experienced that peace. Who don't know what it means to trust in and receive the joy and the peace of a Savior. Lord, I pray you would give them faith this morning to to trust in you today. To rest in you today. To to rejoice in you this morning. But they no longer have to work to be good enough for you and for others, Lord God, but they have peace with God and man because of what you have done on the cross. 
Thank you, Jesus, that you have come and bring us joy and peace today. Fill our hearts your praises this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, I invite you to stand. I want to sing this song one more time. Oh, come. Let us adore him. This is a song that we sing to our own hearts. It's a song that we sing to those around us. As we sing, let us hear the voices of those around us saying, oh, come, let us adore him. Let us adore this Jesus who who has made a way for us to have peace with God. Who's come near to us to bear our sin and shame, to walk with us in darkness, to stay up with us in the dark nights of loneliness. That we might sing with choirs of angels, glory to God, glory in the highest.